Hi, this is Taylor Cottom. Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast. Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, and food. My name is Pete, and I'm joined my co-host, Scoo Walker. Scoo, how you doing, buddy? Good morning. How are you? Oh, man, life is good. Hey, we got a pump day. We got a show sponsor today, Scoo NeuroNoodle. Hey, parents of athletes, your kids get a physical every year, right? Well, include a brain map so you have a baseline to compare it to in case something happens on the field. It takes only 20 minutes to get the data you need to know if your athlete should go back on the field. Okay, one of the things we like to do here at the Lake Forest Podcast is put a spotlight on local people. And today we're joined with Taylor Cottom. Taylor, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. So, Taylor... We started this podcast to uh, shed some light on uh, the caucus and the school board people that were interviewing, you know, to be on the board and whatnot. I remember you, weren't you on the Let's Do Better campaign for 115? Is that how I know you? How do I know no, you? No, it's actually, it's actually from uh, the Let's Do Better campaign was uh, Joanna Marshall, uh, Jeff Gianelli, et cetera. Uh, yeah. I was on the District 67 with Lori Fitzgerald. So that ah, was 60- where you saw my name, right? That's what it was. Okay, yeah. So Taylor, so that was 67. Okay, and they just had a meeting last night. Anything happen at it? School and I didn't check it out yet. Oh, actually, actually, it was interesting because that would contrast with, I think, the District 115 meeting, which, which there was a little bit of fireworks there, right? District 67, yeah. in contrast, I think the approach and the way that it was handled uh, at the administrative level um, also, at, the, at with the people who were speaking, was was actually quite different. At the administrative level, for example, at the 115, just the contrast of two meetings. Before it even started, before anyone had even spoken a word, they were outside trying to, you know, enforce the mask mandates. You know, before you know, you know, talking to pregnant ladies and and, and stuff like that who were outside, completely social distance, and and basically telling them to put their their uh, masks over their nose, and that kind of set a little bit of probably, I I think, a wrong tone from the beginning. Secondly, during the meeting, as it was going, people's masks were slipping down and they were interrupting their their comments to tell them to put their mask up. And it happened like multiple times. And then they would interrupt the meeting and say, there's somebody in the mat in the room whose whose the mask is not worn properly. Could you please wear your mask properly? That whole idea was just the whole concept was just enforced the idea that they were basically, uh, you know, mask Nazis. So, and, and that set a poor tone. And I think it set a very confrontational tone in the 115. That wasn't there in, in the um, in the 167 meeting. First for the 115 meeting, if you'll notice that in many social settings, they allow somebody who is socially distanced and who is speaking from a podium to actually remove their mask. Like for example, when you have a guest speaker, they will actually yeah. not have their mask on during the guest speaker. While they're at a podium, and they are socially distanced from everyone else, the expectation could be that they should also be given that ability to speak freely without the mask. I I think that whole idea that, you know, even during the 67 meeting, sometimes the mask would slip down below their nose and they didn't say anything. They were much more uh, welcoming. And I I think in in general, the 67 meeting, they had a lot of the same topics as they had in the 115 meeting, but there was not all the fireworks that they had in the 115 meeting. And I think... uh, in, in my opinion, I would directly attribute it to what happened during the meeting 
as they were basically trying to enforce the mask over the nose policy and telling people in the audience and trying to enforce this completely uh, religiously. So I think that kind of backfired. I really don't think, uh, at least that I know of, that people were planning on speaking without a mask during the meeting. Nobody had ever had ever actually expressed that. And I didn't know of that was actually uh, was was going to happen. And I think that was a result of the way that they were acting during the actual meeting itself. That's my opinion. I don't I, I can't back that up. But but I had not heard of anyone um, actually coming with the idea that they would take their mask off and speak at the podium. I think that was basically uh, an affront to their to the authority that they that they could uh, tell us what to do and, and enforce this the way that they were. I haven't seen the 67 one because that's usually lower key, more, lower key. You know, it seemed like a lot of grandstanding was going on at the 115. I mean, everybody's got a point. I get it. Yeah. Some people are running for office, <laughs> you know. Well, uh, yeah, so- yeah, correct. Correct. And to be to be fair, you know, yeah. a lot of times what you have at these meetings and it's not just the school, the school board meetings. I've been to uh, zoning meetings and and city meetings all, all the time. Uh, that's one of the things that I do regularly. When there's a, a topic which comes up uh, against public interest, you will see a lot of people grandstanding, yelling, uh, and, and that's not actually uncommon at any of those meetings. And the fact that there were parents that were doing that does not surprise me one bit. I, I've seen it in other city meetings. This was a little bit more contentious than any other I've seen. The fact that people were willing to do that does not surprise me at all. Now for 67, Taylor, you were, uh, you were running in the contested side with Lori Fitzgerald. Uh, let's go back in time and relive that mm-hmm. fun adventure. Uh, how did that all go down? Who, who started it all? Was it, it started, it, it started with me, right? Yeah. Actually, it started with me. And the reason why, and, and I explained that yesterday is in the 67 meeting, there's a lot that's happening on, on the, uh, on the local side you know, in the local places, like, for example, in the school boards, that's where the fight is right now in our country, right? I mean, we've pretty much settled on the, uh, uh, you know, for all the federal positions, right? But the school board is where the heart and soul of our children are, right? Those fights are happening right now. But, you know, rewind six months prior to me deciding to jump into the school board. My brother in Seattle was having a meeting with his teacher and they sent him a, a letter in the mail. The letter said that we would like to have a meeting with your third grade student, please sign uh, your agreements with, with us having a discussion with him. And, and he asked what it was about, and they couldn't tell him what it was about. And then he asked other parents, and they said it was to find out what, you know, what their gender is and what their sexuality is. The parents could not be involved. And this was basically guised under the idea of mental health and anti-bullying, but it was basically perverting those two things. And it's basically to, to try to find out what there is. And, and the reason why this is offensive is because our children are our own and that there is a play to basically say that we know better than you do and that we are going to make sure that your children are protected. It sounds good, but really what they're saying is that you no longer have jurisdiction over your own children. And that's what prompted me to join in the school board fight I have nothing against Lake Forest Caucus. In fact, I think Lake Forest Caucus in general has been positive. They picked good candidates in the past. But the reason I was interested in joining the school board, because I can see that these fights are coming down the pike. I don't think they've hit Lake Forest yet, but I think they eventually will. 
And on, on these issues, I want somebody with a spine who's going to be able to stand up to the bullying coming from the other side and say, no, we are not going to be, be doing these policies. The moment that they go against what will be the narrative coming from the left is the moment that we will find out you know, what kind of man or woman they are, whether they have a spine and whether they are willing to stand up to the insults and the bullyings and the pressure that come from the other side. That's why I was interested in doing it. I was not successful, which means that given that 90% of the people don't vote, that 94% of the people in Lake Forest <laughs> still haven't formed their opinion on me, right? So I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, you guys had a pretty good turnout. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, during the local school board elections, like I said, only 10 percent vote, 90 percent kind of sit them out. Maybe they don't have you know, kids in the system. Maybe uh, maybe they're uh, just not interested in wanting to kind of let things slide. And maybe they don't aren't very informed and don't feel like voting. But the vast majority of people don't vote during the contested elections. You go from, you know, there are 20,000 uh, you know, population in right. in uh, Lake Forest, you'll go from maybe 1,000 people voting to maybe 2,000, 2,500 people voting, contrasting a normal election with uh, that's not contested versus a contested one. You mentioned the caucus. Did you go through the interview process for 67 board? Uh, for From the caucus? No, I did not. Although I do not have anything against the caucus. I, I think in general, they've made uh, informed decisions. There is some, some things that are troubling. For example, the right track was funding the caucus. The right track is a, is a group which has been funded by Mike Madigan's lawyers and other things like that. But there are there is some things which are concerning. But I think in general, they have done a jo good job at keeping our schools free and, and in local control. So I, I don't necessarily like to say that the caucus is, is poor. I just felt like that the decisions which are going to come down, uh, you know, in the next, you know, one to 10 years are decisions that you're going to have to have a spine for. And I trust myself more than I do anyone else, no matter, <laughs> no matter uh, how good they are, right? Yeah, I mean, we, you, know, you understand how the caucus in the city works. Everyone that lives in the city is part of the caucus. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand how it works, but I actually did not go through the caucus. I, I do have the uh, the uh, ability to go through the caucus. I, I just kind of did this. Well, I, I did this because I, I felt like we would have to have some exceptional people there and some people with a real spine, because there are going to be some things coming down the pipeline that, you know, I, I would not be in agreement with. And I believe that everyone there would probably make the right decision the first time. The question comes down to when they get the pressure, when they get the people coming after them, that they have to have the backbone to actually come back and stick with their convictions. And a lot of people believe the right things. They have the right values, but do they have the right character? And that is what I'm interested in. And that's what I think we have to do in the whole community is because that's how people really get on the boards and commissions is going through the caucus interview process. And that's would encourage everyone to do that if they want to raise their hand and volunteer. Yeah, I don't have any problem with that. In fact, I, I, I think that would be probably the traditional way of doing it. Like I was uh, mentioning before, you know, actually, uh, I have been recommended by a couple of people to go to kind of go through the caucus who are who have been through the caucus. And, and I do not have a, a problem doing that. I think volunteer positions in the community is is the right way to go. Best way to, to alleviate or expel all the um, noise that the caucus is one sided and all that is people everyone 
you know, if they want to volunteer, go through that process. And, you know, the best person is pulled out, but mm-hmm. that's really kind of where the caucus kind of goes, derails themselves is taking people that they want as opposed to taking people that all, everyone that wants to volunteer. Yeah. And, and the question comes down to, and if the caucus will always remain that way, because uh, if you have outside funding sources or other things like that, people who are going to be donating to them, is, are they always going to be that case? Is that always going to be the case? Because um, right that's now, because those are those are legitimate questions too, yeah. right? If the, the caucus is funded by people who you don't agree with, could you contest the election? Should you be able to contest the election? I do not think it's bad, even if the caucuses were good. I'm assuming that they're they're doing in the best interest of the community. Even if they, but if they, even if they are good, that to have a contested election from time to time, when items are of importance, I think is a good thing. Even if they are good, they also need to have their feet held to the fire. And so they need to feel like their job is not all of a sudden a guarantee. I wouldn't necessarily say the caucus is getting money. I I would from outside sources because that's readily available. And Pete, as you know, being on the caucus, that's a small fund of money that is there. So from donations. You know, the problem I got is it's like Lori Fitzgerald. She didn't even know about the caucus process, right? So she hopped on board with you, Taylor. And I'm like... (laughs) You know, we're we're scrambling for people, you know, like we need a ward one alderman, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're going through people right now and interviewing. You know, there's some people out there to say, oh, I don't like the alderman that you have. You know, I'm going to contest it. At least you know about it. It's where I get in an uproar is Lori Fitzgerald. She didn't know anything about it. And she's lived here for quite a while. And that just drives drives us insane. So and then, and then Taylor, you should at least get turned down so you have a beef, you know. <laughs> give me give me a chance to to vote for you, Taylor. All right, all right, yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's a fair that's a fair uh, recommendation. I, I think it's fair. Now the caucus, if if you are a member of the uh, Lake Forest, you you are automatically a member of the caucus. But then it ends up to be who chooses the elections, right? And here's where it seems like if you do not have any contested elections, is it a vote for the public or is it a vote for the caucus? That's a question that that comes down to. If the caucus are the only people who who can make the choice, then what's the point of even voting, right? If everything is going to be only the caucus running for the positions. You got a point there. If there's three positions that are open, should you have four people that you recommend and let the public choose? Yeah, I think that 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 could be one way of doing it, because right now, I mean, if if you only have the caucus choosing, then it's basically democracy by caucus, not democracy. Well, I I think I would I would uh, I would say one of the, the frailties of the caucus is the assumption that everyone in the community, 15, 17,000 people understand how the caucus and works and how people get assigned to boards and commissions. And, and obviously that's not true. And that's where right. kind of the, the rub is. And that's the responsibility of the caucus committee to educate more by educating more. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, do you have contested elections, you know, in the caucus environment? No, you don't, because the assumption is everyone in the community votes for the caucus members in the wards and, Everyone that raises their hand and wants to volunteer gets that shot and gets that interview and all that. But that's that's the perfect world. And that's not what we're living in. And the caucus just has not adjusted to that or seen that. I mean, Lori 
Fitzgerald's a perfect example. I mean, she's been in this community for 20 plus years. And, you know, again, it's the onus of each one of us as citizens of the city to understand how our process works, legal process works, getting people on boards and commissions. But, you know, it's also the committee's responsibility more than anything is to educate the community because to, to assume is a bad thing. And that's what mm-hmm. has been done for years and years and years on this whole thing. T- Taylor, the money that you guys put in for lawn signs, the money the caucus put in for lawn signs, instead of educating, we go buy lawn signs. And that, money, <laughs> that money could go to be for hunger, right, Scoo? Oh, well, in, in the perfect world, then we just assign someone a dictator for life and we do, do <laughs> Nobody has to compete for your vote. We have uh, we, we save all that money. Right. Is that the perfect world? Obviously not. Right. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not speaking against the caucus, but I'm, I'm just saying that you can speak whatever you want to having contested elections is not a bad thing. No, it's uh, not. Having people forcing people to actually work for our vote is not a bad thing. And I know it, a lot of times you'll see competing lines on lawn signs. Uh, and I know this is also a nonpartisan election. So I haven't ever put I, I think for the last 20 years, I've only put my party affiliation probably on two elections. That's it. But just the fact that you're, um, you know, non, they say it's nonpartisan, but you'll have people kind of dividing in one way or the other. It was very quickly determined that if you're of one political leaning, you're going to support one thing. If you're from another political leaning, you're going to support another side. You know, I don't know if that's the best way either. Right. I, I you know, in the perfect world, I think you, you'd have the caucus, which you'd have people of all political stripes. Right. Uh, I think that's what the purpose of the caucus is. Right. To have people be a broad Actually, representation of the community. Right. Right. You know, I can I can honestly say going on a couple of years in, you know, nobody's ever asked. You can kind of guess what I am. but. Uh, they've never asked what the political affiliation is. It's still the best game in town for anybody that's saying I'm not an advocate. It's the alternative is that whoever has the most money can advertise and win win votes. Okay, so it's still mm-hmm. the best game in town. The insider game is coming down to the process where the vice president all automatically becomes the president and chooses their executive board, and then you could have an insider game there. We just need to fix that little process there, and then I think there's no beefs. Taylor, we got to get people like you to interview, so at least you got turned down, so mm-hmm. you can say, you know what, they didn't like me, or blah blah blah. I get it. Are you right? saying I get turned down, Pete? I think that's the biggest. <laughs> I think somebody lo- who ran against a caucus probably has a has a, a disadvantage, probably right. Hey, maybe. Yeah. I don't think. I think Pete, you're right. I don't think it's getting turned down. It's going through the process and. For years and years and years and years and years of Lake Forest, the the best contested election, I think, is those people that have gone through the process and felt, you know, I still want to do this, even though I didn't get selected. Those are the that toughest, I get. That those are I get. The toughest contested elections for the caucus people. It becomes a more of a, you know, I still want to do this. I wasn't chosen, so why? And that's that's a harder fight than not going to the process and then saying, I just want to do this. And then you're, you're rubbed up against a, a system and that's been here forever. And again, the, the other thing that you're fight, everyone fights is just what you said, Taylor, early on 17,000, 15,000, whatever number that lives in Lake Forest, less, uh, probably a percent of that actually ends up voting. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. That's, you know, you do all you want to, you know, go against caucus or whatever and get into a position, but you're also fighting getting people to even vote. 
I mean, it's a turnout. Know, it's a, a turnout, right? This year, and two thousand people voted, which you know, in if, our if, if only vote. social media were voting, all the people that rag on Facebook, and then they, you, you see the polls, it's like something's not oh, adding up. I won as an alderman, and I had eighteen hundred votes, and I won, or whatever. Exactly. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, actually, in in yesterday's, uh, it was it was interesting because yesterday's in the district sixty-seven vote. I saw the people that we ran against. And I could see in their eyes and actually, you know, there was Carl, you know, and, and some of the others and Garrity Helms and I wanted yeah. and Levert, et cetera. I could see them in their eyes. They actually they were basically making a, a concession that they recognized that when I went up there, I, 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 I told them who I was and they immediately know who I was. There was there's no animosity there. In fact, I came up and shake Carl's hand and he He's actually a good said dude. some good words. He, yeah, he actually said some good words. And during my campaign, I always try to keep it keep it uh, relatively whole. I don't like making, uh, you know, all these crazy accusations about people. But once things go on to social media, they're going to say a million things. It's always fun. Uh, I, I, I like to, to have respect for people, even if they are my opponent at the time. And now that they are there, I mean, I'm, I'm there to do whatever I can to support them. I, I want to make sure that when I said that they need to have a backbone, I'm, I'm there with them. So add one other thing, the caucus. I mean, that, again, Taylor, you're, you're a perfect example is you know, these people that are running, let's say they're running it uh, against the caucus, those people are the people that the caucus should be kind of reflecting on going, hey, let's get these guys, if they want to volunteer, maybe there's other boards and commissions that are open, have availability that, you know, these people that are raising their hand can get on and get into the system and start contributing. And then, you know, I know what Lori got because of her running, they found a spot for her on a board or commission or something, right? Uh, mm-hmm. on, on the finance side yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i i i'm totally into that but that's it, the missing yeah. i think with the caucus is they're you know oh you're contesting <laughs> you're you're basically we're not going to get near you, you yeah, yeah 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 that's the wrong thing because <laughs> you have a set of volunteers that are raising their hand you know, well yeah yeah uh, absolutely absolutely the I am I'm a big proponent. And, and one thing that you'll know about me is, is I am a big proponent of education. And, and the reason why Lake Forest schools are successful the way they are, and I don't want to take away from the caucus or the school board or all these other things, because parents are involved with, the, with their children and their studies. And I think that is the main reason why we have such good schools. You got to take this back to the parents and it's the parents who actually spend the time with their kids, get interested in their kids studies, you know, study, you know, help them with their homework, et cetera. That's the kind of stuff that raises successful kids. And that's what brings successful schools. Now a caucus, uh, I shouldn't say a caucus, but a bad school board or bad decisions at the school board can screw everything up. And that's one of the reasons why I think right now there's a lot of pressure one is they don't like the mass policy. They didn't like being sequestered. And I know there's a pandemic and I'm not trying to minimize the pandemic because there, there is some things. But what we know and what, you know, what, what the facts tell us is that they have very little effect on children. I mean, just think of the pandemic where it affects people who are older versus people who are younger. I don't want to see anyone die, but I would much rather... and, and the, you know, something that doesn't affect our children more. Right. And, and I don't say that to minimize, you know, and, you know, the elderly who are really getting it most in this in the pandemic, but other flus 
and other diseases in the past have primarily affected the children. And that's one of the ones where you say that's, that's a tragedy because they have so much of their life ahead of them and it takes them at the wrong time. But this pandemic right now has almost very little effect on our children. And they can get cases, but if you had a million cases and zero people died and zero people were hospitalized, would it really be a pandemic? That's the question I had. And amongst our young people, that's basically the type of pandemic that we had. Uh, a pandemic where nobody's hospitalized, nobody's, no, nobody's died, there's always going to be you know, one person, but you see uh, much worse uh, numbers with actually the seasonal flu than you do uh, and the COVID-19. And so that's what, what uh, my problem with the whole thing is. Adults and, and adults, a lot of these restrictions are lifting, but yet the most severe restrictions that we have upon anybody is when they step inside of a school. And that's, and that's where I think a lot of people are saying, you know what, hey, this doesn't make sense to me that we're having this many restrictions in schools when really they are the ones who are least affected by it. And I know they can be carriers, but still the, you know, it's not a pandemic for them. So Taylor, at the 115 uh, meeting, there was that kid that came up and he, he was a student and uh, he said, hey, why doesn't anybody ask the kids what they want to do? You got any thoughts on that? I, I just don't think, you know, putting this kind of question on the kids is necessarily the best thing. Not because I don't think that they would choose rightly, because I think the majority of them would choose to demask. But I think of all the other things that they would choose which are not related to masking, that they might uh, vote themselves, right? The alternative for the parents, I mean, they could homeschool. Do you know anything about the Chinese school? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, let, let me explain a little bit about what I, what I do for my children. There is a okay. homeschool. There, is, there, is a, there are some options that we have. One is, in the past, you have, uh, if you don't like your school for whatever reason, um, just to bring it to mo- today's terms, you don't like them because you think they're being indoctrinated. You don't like them because they're masking, etc. You can either homeschool them, which is a big investment in your time, or you can put them in a private school, which is a big investment in your money. Today, we have options that we didn't have. And the reason why is because we have Zoom rooms. And if a teacher in Lake Forest can do her class remotely, Guess what? Another teacher in in, uh, Sioux City, uh, South Dakota, can have her classes there, too. And she could be actually someone who's actually a specialist in distance remote learning. You know, she could actually be better. You know, I don't have to pick the teacher um, in Lake Forest if the best teacher is going to be somewhere else. That's one of the things that's been opened now that with this pandemic uh, and the Zoom rooms. In fact, you can go. through homeschooling, have online tutorials, either have videos or, or some kind of enhance where you have some videos, some live teaching, and you could have a, a private school, completely private school for about $250 a month. In the past, it's usually like been like $12,000 a year. You know, this is, this is a fraction of that, and you're getting a private school education. And the second thing is the need for the parent to be actively involved in every subject and be an active teacher is much less. So it's a much less investment in your time and also your money. That's an option that, you, that people have now that they did not have in the past. So I think in many ways, for those who are interested in homeschooling, have, have the best, of, best of, uh, of all worlds. They have now is the best time for someone who's interested in homeschooling. And, and the question about the Chinese school, actually, we supplement our education. We have uh, our, our kids in homeschooling. 
And uh, on Sunday, we go to the Chinese school. The reason why is because it's hard to get Chinese language, uh, you know, instruction um, in the regular schools. But the reason I bring that up is because actually the Chinese community, education is very important to them. And so they actually have these schools which supplement their public schools. And so there's all kinds of opportunities which are out there. And when I would go there, I'm one of the few who are not Chinese, native Chinese or native Chinese speakers who attend that school. But I'm thinking to myself, why cannot other groups do this, right? Why does it have to be limited to Chinese community? Why, it, you know, if we feel like we're not getting enough instruction from our, from our schools, we should be actually actively setting up these ideas where we do our own tutorials or we have assisted instructions or, or basically some additional learning uh, on the weekend. And those, those Chinese schools, they not only offer Chinese language, but they also offer math. They offer fine arts, meaning like uh, music education. They have physical education. And, and they have all these kind of supplemental programs that uh, are enhancement to our, our public schools. Uh, in addition, you know, one of the biggest concerns that parents have when they say bring up homeschooling is my kids won't be social, right? You know, how do they do extracurricular activities? There are so many groups that did not exist five years ago. And there's so much more emphasis now on, on club sports, even over uh, the school sports. For example, the, lake, the, the club sports for soccer versus the Lake Forest soccer team, right? The, the club sports and many times are more important to the kids than actually the, the uh, high school season. And so when I think about the opportunities there that are freely available to anyone at the homeschool, you know, and many times it's the best time to, in the world to be, be homeschooling. We were talking with the Northwestern president on our North Shore podcast, and we asked him a couple questions because he, ha he has a book out. Is there an event that can bring everybody together? Because right now we don't have common goals, so everybody's operating in silos. We don't have a Pearl Harbor. Okay, Afghanistan didn't do it. We don't have a man on the moon. There isn't anything out there. So, <laughs> yeah. so you have people on uh, fundamentalism. Okay? They draw the line in the sand, and that's that's what it is. So they couldn't answer the question, what would it take to bring everybody together? The second thing was, do you think schools are going to turn into a place where you're just going to verify you have the education? You can get your education from online, but you need to go somewhere where there's a proctor to verify that you know mm -hmm. it. Save all the money fees and whatnot and just go test out. To, you know. So I, th I think that that is possible. And you bring up a good point on the social end of things, because all I hear is if you can take care of daycare and you can take care of the socialization. Think about yeah. how you act, Pete. If you want to, to look at all your friends, you probably have 150 acquaintances. But if you had to name five of the people you're closest to and five of the people that you contact most, that's really the circle of people who really are important to you, right? You don't have to go to a school with 1,500, 2,000, 3,000 people to make five friends. You can make those five friends and take care of the socialization part completely within the realms of your homeschooling program. You have your clubs for us. You can do scouting activities. You have all kinds of things in the community that you can do if you're a church or, or, or you might be in some other programs that I don't see why that's necessary. A, a, a socialization is a, is a problem. If you, if you want to have your five friends, you can have your five friends. Now, mm -hmm. you probably won't know a thousand people by name, 
but really is that going to affect your socialization? And that's something that that's my own personal belief, right? That you don't need to know a thousand people to, to be social. If everybody's so worried about the kids socializing, then why aren't the schools making it mandatory that you have to learn personal finance? You have to learn how to have presentation skills, how to give a firm handshake, look somebody in the eye. Life Those are skills. the socialization skills. We're on the same page on that one. And I'm sure. I can already hear the emails coming in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Taylor, this is great, man. I, I, I we got to bring you back on the show, man. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, okay, I'm okay with that. We could do that anytime. Hey, we're all in this thing together. We just got, you know, not everybody's right. Not everybody's wrong. It's somewhere in between. And it's that in between that gets everybody uh, out of joint. All right, Taylor. Thanks for coming on the show, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Taylor. It's great talking to you. Great meeting with you. All right. Thank you, Scoo. Thanks, thanks, Pete. Hey, thanks for listening to the Lake Forest Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about on the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete, and I can be reached at Pete at LakeForestPodcast.com. On behalf of my co-host, Scoo Walker, we thank you for listening, and we appreciate our Patreon supporters, Church of the Holy Spirit, Reverend Luke Back, and Matt. Cue the band. <laughs>